Hello everyone, I'm Alex Majorana. And I'm Sydney Lynch. And this is Little Known Tracks. This week we talk to Emily Reed, trans punk space emo artist based in Philly. Her love of Legos was rekindled thanks to the Batmobile, and now she has a Lego for every occasion and no extra shelf space for her girlfriend's figurines. Her start in music is thanks to Weezer and other alt-rock icons of the 90s and early 2000s. Her solo project, How I Became Invisible, is heavily inspired by her life, her experiences, and how she relates to the world around her. She's currently working on her next album with a concept and a title tentatively ready and the music in the making. Without further ado, Better, by How I Became Invisible. But the shivers and the shakes are still keeping me awake And I'm losing more of me all of the time All my friends say it gets better But better never seems to ever show So I pull myself in tighter and tighter Emily Reed, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. 
Right. Thank you for having me. I think the first thing that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about was TTRPGs. Now, obviously, I feel like the big one that everyone is uh, well aware of is D&D. Um, but you put TTRPG, so I assume there's a little bit more to it than D&D. So just tell us a little bit about that and your interest. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do, full disclosure, I do play D&D. Very, it is much less than I used to. I'm in a weekly gaming group that plays online and has been for the last, oh my God, five years. Um, and uh, even that's not happening half the time. <laughs> but um, I also, uh, I run this game called Death in Space, which is kind of like a dark sci-fi, horror-y, kind of like Alien slash Blade Runner slash Event Horizon vibes. Um, I'll run that for my friends every so often. I play a bunch of them. I've been to Gen Con the last couple of years. Uh, I at the last past on uh, packs unplugged for the last three, and in fact, at this last one, I ran two games for games on demand through the uh, tabletop gamers access access. It's spelled G A Y. Um, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I ran Death in Space for one of those days, and the other two I ran this game called The Very Good Dogs of Chernobyl. So okay, I'm just into cool. gaming in general. Yeah, no, for sure. I was also at PAX Unplugged the last couple oh, of years, so nice. may have crossed paths before now. Yes, if you um, passed this past year, if you walked by this this girl with like teal hair looking anxious, that was me. <laughs> let's be honest. There's probably more than one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no that's like uh really cool so when you talk about the uh like horror game that you're playing and that you're mm -hmm. running a little bit are you mm -hmm. running like one shots or is that like you have kind of a campaign of sorts happening i the, the i kind of have we kind of have a regular campaign we haven't played in a hot minute because we had an issue with someone in the group who's no longer in the group and um we haven't really had a chance to uh saying the word group too much regroup since then um but it is a somewhat ongoing thing it is i i started that at gen con as just a hey i want to play a game with my friends so i'll just run it for them and then it went so well we're like hey we're just going to keep doing this right um and uh from that i kind of created a one shot that i could run for other people if i wanted to which is one of the ones i ran at pax unplugged but um yeah it's very much a the, the rules are very uh, rules light, I guess. It's very it's very vibes. It's 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 oops all vibes is what I like to yeah. call it because it's very much like I have. It's not like D and D where you have like a story you're building towards and the players are living in that story and you kind of determine where they go. Whereas in this system, Death in Space, which is very similar to things like Morkborg and mm. other very like kind of vibey uh, RPGs. Um, it's very, I have a very, very rough skeleton of a world and they fill in all the details, which is way cooler because I can do less work and then react to whatever <laughs> bullshit they're doing. It's like, I'll let you pick the details and I get to make you suffer because of them. Yes. Like, oh, we're just going to get into an argument. Okay, cool. You guys just argue. There is a giant space tick on your ship. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> That sounds like my kind of game. The less oh, rules, the better. Oh, it's so much fun. I, I always, I can appreciate a, a full vibe game. I know a lot of people do, um, like, some of the world building beforehand in, like, other games, like the map building games and things of that nature. Is that something mm -hmm. that you've done? Um, Not so much in this one. With the, I ran a D&D &D campaign at one point for uh, friends, like, IRL, and that was fun but i got burnt out on it really fast because mm. i love world building but once you put people in there there's this pressure of oh i have to do things to live up to this world i've created oh no i've made a world and now people are going to actually interact with it i've oh, made a boy. huge mistake <laughs> yeah entirely fair now now something else that you told us you like to build is uh legos oh, um yeah. which i mean who doesn't really who doesn't but tell us a little bit about uh, like some of uh, some of your Legos and maybe like some of your favorite builds and things of that nature. Well, it started. Well, I can't say it started because I I used to do Lego all the time when I was younger, 
and then stopped. And then they started putting out Star Wars Lego in like 99 or something around episode one back in the olden days when people actually were excited for that movie. Um, and uh, I had a bunch then. And then I got rid of them because I moved out of my parents and like, oh, I'm moving in with a girlfriend. I shouldn't have these anymore, right? That was a mistake because she wasn't worth it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, the last... 2024 four years <laughs> i got back into lego as a way to deal with rampant anxiety from some big world event that happened i can't say quite for sure i've forgotten it's still 2020 in march in my mind uh but um yeah i started getting them because i was working a lot of overtime because like they let go of half my job and they're we're working from home now so you guys can work extra right it's like hell yeah i can i'll get that money um and just started buying lego sets so they put out a lego batmobile the 1989 one mm -hmm. and i was like that i want that one <laughs> and it's just exploded from there i now have a whole lego batman shelf unit <laughs> and then a uh another shelf that has just a bunch of random stuff on it and also all throughout my apartment there's lego flowers and little lego succulents and a corgi and wally holding a picture of me and my boyfriend it's like <laughs> it's just taken over at this point i just had my uh our girlfriend moved in with me a couple weeks ago and she's like well i have all these anime statues i'm like i don't know where you're gonna put those dog there ain't nothing <laughs> <laughs> all the space is taken up by my legos hope, you're gonna have to you figure something shelf. out yeah, if you want to put your anime <laughs> titty girls out there that's fine i have no problem with them being displayed just you know you're not moving Thor's hammer or whatever. <laughs> I love fine, how fine versatile. Space. Yeah. I love how versatile Legos can be in the sense of like, we have Thor's hammer and then we have some succulents and yeah. then we have the Batmobile over here. Like it, there yeah. is Legos for every occasion. I have, again, I have a whole shelving unit that's all Batman stuff. It's like, because they keep putting them out. And that was the thing for a while. I was like, no, I'm just going to get Lego Batmobile things. And then they stopped doing them for a bit. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go start getting space things. And then they put out a new Batman. Like, so how do you get that one? And they put out another one. So how do you get that one? And now there's more space things. And it's just never going to stop. And that's how they get you. That is how they get you. Really is. Like they stopped making Batman for a little bit, but I feel like building a Lego, so I'll get something small, you know? Exactly. And then. But you mentioned what's just... the most. And now here we are. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like you so said, what was my favorite build would be, I think, and I've had a lot of really, like, the, the, the bigger builds are fun because they're more, like, intensive. It takes a while. You can, like, do a bit at a time. But that Batmobile was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was so satisfying me like here's this thing was however much money it was we're not going to say that um and it's like thousands of pieces and it weighs 10 friggin pounds and like this feels so good to finish look I, it was nothing and now it's a thing and it's a thing i can display and it looks nice what are you going to do with a puzzle take it apart and do it again no <laughs> it's like i'm holding uh an oversized baby that i put together and is cooler than a baby yes Unlike a baby, which I will never have, I have a lot of Lego. These are my children. I just, I'm looking at right now next to my record player. I have three Lego sets I got for Christmas, and I'm like, ooh, soon. Now, I feel like I may be wrong, <laughs> but the likelihood of Lego either having or making a record player feels high. I, it's, it's it would likely it's it would shock me if it hasn't been done already and it's yeah. just out of print or something i just saw they put out like a lego like polaroid camera and i'm yeah. like oh no feelings now yeah. i don't know if the polaroid <laughs> camera works but i know that they do have some like functional things like i'm pretty sure they had an atari a while ago that yeah it, it that's that's not functional i think they had a like a semi-functional pack Ban like arcade mm. unit i think i don't know about that one but like i feel like it if you like hit someone with the lego thor's hammer it would probably hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it would, or, or it would be really hard it would hurt, break open and then people couldn't walk away from it <laughs> yeah it's a win-win for de uh, a defense and or assault i suppose 
Either way. Fight and flight. You get the best of both worlds. (laughs) I feel like we've got a good general gist, right, of your outside world and how these things kind of flow. Do, Do any of these things sort of inspire any of your writing? Because obviously there's a lot of nerd culture and things of that nature that you're interested in. Is there any influence there? Oh yeah. Maybe not those specific things, but just like in general, we didn't even get into magic, the gathering, which has only been a recent addition to my (laughs) insanity list brought about solely because of Gen Con, because me and my boyfriend met our current, our, our girlfriend who just moved in with me there. And their her whole thing is magic like she like loves building decks and talking about all she talks about it's like her like uh like hyper fixation and so now it's infected us and i have i'm looking at right now i've i have two boxes filled with cards and one two three four five six decks <laughs> this is a quick since pickup August, since <laughs> yeah <August>. <laughs> it's but um stuff like that yeah it really is an influence in terms of just the vibes um the name of my project, How It Became Visible, actually comes from a comic book. And a lot of the aesthetics, I guess, if you want to put it that way, are based in more sci-fi, nerdy stuff, because I, I like weird weird aesthetic, I guess. So like uh, cryptids and weird liminal horror, analog horror stuff you, you can watch on YouTube. or Anything that's like has a weird vibe of creepiness, but also like possibility to it i think is 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 kind of the vibe i like i did a this is gonna sound really out of pocket um i did a instrument all instrumental ep that i put out on my birthday which was in november called uh criticality and it is simultaneously a recap of chernobyl <laughs> like it's inspired by the chernobyl accident and the series because i got real into that and then also the invisibles is a comic book series and it was entirely because i put a post on blue sky the social media app that if i get to this number of followers i'll put it out so that i think explains a lot about how i operate (laughs) i think that's really interesting though because we were just talking earlier about your music and how interesting the soundscape is and how it really is diverse through all of your music that you've released. So how do you, so inspired by Chernobyl and um, the Invisibles, how do you create that narrative through this, you know, ambient music and those sound effects and different sounds to create that story in an instrumental album? I don't know how to answer that because I'm not sure anyone actually understands it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I have an idea of what like, oh, this Fair. is what this means. And this feels like it means this to me. But I have no idea if anyone else gets that at all. Um, I did play it for a friend and they said, this is simultaneously relaxing and disturbing. And I'm like, that's it. That's the vibe. <laughs> um, just where you're having a real nice chill ambient sound and suddenly there's like someone talking real low about an alien abduction in your ear. Um, I, in that, in case of that one, I'd been poking at it since my last instrumental EP, which was back in 2018 and was about the Voyager space probes, um, which was done as a piece that was done as like, I have a clear idea of what the story is. I'm going to start here and then get to here and then it'll be done. And then after that, I'm like, I don't know. So I just started poking around on a piano, which I don't really know how to play. Um, and just kind of making it up as I go. And then like the form of where it was going kind of suggested to me where I wanted to take it, if that makes sense. Like I didn't go into it saying, I'm going to write a thing about the about Chernobyl. And then also the Invisibles. But like in, cre- in working on the music, it kind of took a turn to like the ambient weirdness. And that suggested to me oh there's like a hint of otherworldliness to it almost uh like something coming through from another dimension that doesn't make sense in ours which to in my brain mixed up with which is a plot point in the invisibles and also very much a visual aesthetic in the series of chernobyl and that just mixed them all together in my mind and like oh i could add sound effects and 
and that's how that happens. <laughs> so you were kind of going through the process of making it then and suddenly we're like, hold on a minute. And when you did that, did you like go back to things and start like changing things up and kind oh, of yeah. constructing? Oh, definitely. Like the, uh, the first one I finished or had any sort of con- conception of is the first song on the record EP record EP, which is like real, like slow piano jazzy stuff. And which I don't like jazz and don't know how to play it. Um, but still, it was like, this is the vibe I want to do with this. And then doing that, it was like, oh, this is real chill. But if I add someone some weird noises and then literally a Geiger counter, that changes the, the tone dramatically. <laughs> and that kind of went from there. Like, um, there's a bunch of stuff I'd started for it that I ended up not finishing or cutting because I'm like, this doesn't have the right vibe to it. Um, and I mean, even the last one I finished for, I mean, that's when I wrote for it was uh, the one that's in like the very middle of the EP. It's called Verona, which is just, uh, it was two separate pieces. It was an acoustic thing. I kind of just jammed out when I was messing with the tuning and then driving back from a doctor's appointment down route one in Trenton and like this like series of phrases occurred to me. I'm like, well, I just have to record this like while I'm driving. And then I put them together and I'm like, yep, this works. <laughs> One thing I do um, appreciate a lot is the use of so many like sound effects and things of that nature in your music, because I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are not particularly apt to do that, but especially when you're doing something and you have that like concept in mind, it really adds like another layer to the sound of the songs overall. It's not something I do a lot of outside of the instrumental things because, I mean, there's a couple, a couple like more of the, the more, I don't know how to describe my music. <laughs> I was going to say rock, but that doesn't cover all of it. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I did a series of three EPs over 2021 instead of a record, which were about uh, simultaneously transition and also uh, a marriage ending true to life um and there's a song on one of them where i sampled the drums of a song a different band i'm in did and then instead of like oh like what am i gonna do with this this sounds cool and all i did was i played bass live and i played like a like a delayed guitar over it a bunch and then everything else is just either a vocal i recorded or samples from anywhere i could find them including alien which is my favorite movie so it's 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 less, I think, I think some people use sound effects and samples as a way to build the song, and I want them to accent it, I guess. Do you take, did you take that music and that, uh, that kind of process into the writing of um, your album, Better or the Next Best Thing, as well? Y- yes and no. Um, there is a couple things on it where they were very much built up piecemeal as a uh like vibes vibes based i guess but a lot of that one was written in sequence and written to be about what it's about i before i started how it became visible as a serious project it used to just be here's where i put the songs i wrote from my my band that aren't being used by the other band um i started taking it seriously as like no this is the thing i want to do and like actually just keep doing uh I started, I never really wrote any concept or like a story because it was just like, I'm sad, I'm drinking, my girlfriend left me or whatever. Pop punk, hey. <laughs> um, and in the process of doing that, it kind of changed how I conceive of songwriting in that previously it was very much, I'm going to write the song when I have the idea to write the song which is a valid way of doing things. Um, like if you only write when you have the inspiration or if like where you're going through a thing in order to uh, um, kind of explore your feelings about it and kind of deal with the emotions you have, that's, that's a valid way of songwriting, which I know a lot of people do. I can't do that because I feel like if I did that, I would never get anything done. So by working into the idea of having a narrative and having a goal to write towards, it's really kind of opened up um, what I can do with it. 
And so starting back in 2013 with my record Planetary, which was written in the wake of a relationship ending and dealing with all that by writing about planets. But it was not even just like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to write a bunch of songs. It's, I'm sad. I have a narrative. I'll channel it into the narrative. And then since then, everything has kind of moved forward from that in that I could, given enough time and enough patience on the part of a listener, I could explain how everything I've ever released is connected and tells a story. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, but I could do it. (laughs) (laughs) But Better the Next Best Thing was very much less a story and more of just a concept of this is what living my life in the last couple years was like everything felt like the world was going to end and how do you deal with the world ending multiple times in the same time span (laughs) and what does better mean in that context because better can mean i am greater than i was or i am not as sick or that things are better but that doesn't necessarily mean they're good and that's um that was ultimately the kind of point I ended at on it with the idea of um, on the song Ellipsis about uh, still afraid of fucking up the good things, but I see them now and keep them close at hand so that you know that you're going to fuck up. That's what happens. The world is a terrible place. Entropy is inevitable. Chaos is all the time. And it's okay if you mess up. You still have the things that you love and you still have people who love you. So that was that was where that record got written. Was just going from that idea and kind of filling in the spaces around it. That was rambling. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what we're here, here for. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point. No, I think I think we can appreciate that and kind of like the honesty in the music and like the just like kind of very open nature of it and I think that's something that a lot of people appreciate in music in general. Um, now is that something that you've also worked towards, like kind of being more honest in your music and things of that nature, or has that been something that has, uh, kind of been present for a majority of this project? I think it's definitely a conscious choice. Uh, in the, the album I mentioned earlier, Planetary, it was very heavily metaphorical. It was written with the idea that every, every song was a planet singing it, um, but in doing that, it was a fun exercise. But I write that way in other bands. Uh, the band I sing for, Danger Club, is all very heavily metaphorical and about the outside world in general. It's very like, not, not political is not the right word, but sociological, I guess. Like, I'm not going, hey, president, you are a bad man. Always a man. Um <sighs> And you're bad about this stuff, but it is very heavily metaphorical about the things in the outside world. And rather than have another project where I do that, it made more sense to me be like, well, no, if I'm going to tell, sing about me in a way that I don't normally do in other things where I kept things guarded or cloaked them in metaphor so as not to be seen, why not in a project called How You Came Visible <laughs> be a little bit more visible? in the grand sense of irony. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a a conscious choice to write, to be more baldly naked, I guess, lyrically. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) In a way that I know probably worries some people, but that's okay. (laughs) Like, there's a line on the new record. It was, um, uh, I'm not an nihilist, but everything everything is fucked or something like that. I forget the exact phrasing of it. Uh, there's a line that says, um, I've never wanted to kill myself, but that doesn't mean I don't want to die. I got a phone call about that one. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, again, that's like part of what art is, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're making this thing that people can relate to that is your experiences and how you're feeling. So if you're making something that's supposed to be vulnerable and open and out there, what's the point of not putting that in there, right? 100%. There's very few times I've backed away from a line being like, oh, this is probably a bad one. Usually it's when I call out specific people. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. So, and that's more for you. On the, out mom on the and preservation. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like I said something specifically in one of my songs on uh, 
Oh, Wave Returns to the Ocean, which that that album is entirely about, you know, coming out and uh, publicly. Well, I was out publicly, but that was what it was being written about, how I wasn't out. And there was a line in one of the songs which is explicitly called on my mom and dad. I'm like, oh, I should change that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one might get some questions. <laughs> yeah. Might get a couple phone calls. Mm, More than I'd anyway. like. Yes, we did anyway. <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess that'll happen. <laughs> so you told us about the music that you've been writing over the past couple of years. Um, tell mm-hmm. us about how you got your start in music when you started writing um, and when it you knew it was something you wanted to pursue. Um, well, years ago, in the dark times before the rebellion, um, I was in high school, which is the land of terrifying possibilities. And I played guitar a lot in my bedroom. <laughs> We're not going to discuss my actual age because I think canonically I'm 27 and will be 27 forever. <laughs> but back in the day, I would listen to the Weezer Blue album and Bush's 16 Stone pretty incessantly and just play guitar to those and not want to go out and do anything else. Um, I went from being an active person who played soccer to being told, hey, you have to do workouts outside of practice. And I said, well, fuck that. And <laughs> decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, I'd always I'd always liked music. I'd always sang for like my entire life. Uh, and my dad's a musician. He plays bass in, actually don't know what he's playing bass in right now, but like my entire life, he was, he was playing in like a top 40 wedding band. And then he was in a blues band and then he was in an Irish band. He's not Irish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was always around and it was just like a thing I liked to do for a while. I didn't, I never had a thought of like, Oh, this is a thing I can do for other people. Um, but hitting that like kind of alt rock boom that happened, especially Weezer where it sounds like, Oh, these are like fun songs that aren't about, angst and like sound like someone's killing themselves uh poor choice of words oh r.i.p kurt um (laughs) but uh, i was even thinking about nirvana when i said it and i'm like oh no (laughs) god damn it um estrogen could have saved her uh that um like the idea of like you can do this and like make music that's not just like in in a minor key or and drop the tuning heavy and still like have melody the stuff in it. Cause melody was what always what drew me into a lot of the stuff I listened to before then. I love heavy music too, though. I mean, like I got the health album for my girlfriend and I've been listening to it without her, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a melody is a big thing for me. And learning to play along with those was a real big like lesson and here's how song structure works and here's like the combination of things that will make your your ears feel happy so going from that to like early 2000s emo was just the next step in that and like that's when i started kind of writing my own stuff was in that uh in that time frame um i was in bands i was in a band around the south jersey area called willis which never really broke but we had a little bit of an underground following. Then uh, I was in a band called Robots and Race Cars for a while, which was played around Philly. Um, and we started to break a little bit, and then we took a hiatus and then haven't gone back together. <laughs> so I've just become kind of a bass player at large for whoever wants me at this point. Though I've, I've have, I have, I left one band recently. I'm slow. I'm backing away from Emmy has to be in 15 bands because I was in like seven at one point and it's too much. Um, but uh, yeah, it was always just kind of a thing. Like once I, once I got the idea that, oh, this is a thing you can do and it makes you happy and it makes other people happy. Hell yeah. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> uh, and with how it became visible, it's not, I've never had like a full regular full band. I've played two full band shows in the entirety of the existence of this project. And there has been different members every time. Um, <laughs> I want to get one together, but it just has not had the time or inclination of late. But I like the idea of it so far just being recording only because then I can do whatever I want with it. 
if I get bored, I can do a ska song. I could do a new wave song. I haven't done a hip hop song yet. That'll never happen. I'm much too white. Um, <laughs> hey, I feel like I never know. I said like, hey, my name's MC Emmy, and I'm here to say I love Fruity Pebbles in a major way. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, we're gonna clip that. <laughs> we're gonna use that for stuff. <laughs> oh no. My brand. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like i i like the idea especially with how it became visible of just like genre is not a jail i guess that like since i learned to play guitar and since all the different music i listen to there is so many different shades and colors you can play with that the idea of just having a thing where i'm only going to do Wonder Years inspired pop punk. I would 100% do that. But I want to do other things too. <laughs> so like this, this idea of like not having a... There's no rules. You can do whatever you want. I, I mean, I feel like that's true of life in general. But yeah, like there's no rules. Society is bullshit. We're all going to die. Who cares? Do whatever you want. Yeah, make a hip hop song. Despite being the whitest yeah. person anyone knows. <laughs> I, I am very white. <laughs> I am practically translucent. Uh, Some might even say invisible. Oh, boo. <laughs> I mean, I do listen to hip hop, but it's it's weird white white person noise hip hop. That's not even white. I can't say clipping is white people. It's got David Diggs in it, but it's clipping rules. Oh man. So maybe not hip hop next, but is there anything in particular that you're currently writing or working on or thinking about that uh, is maybe a little bit different than some of the stuff you've done or the same as some of the stuff you've done? Um, I've started putting together what I kind of want my next album to be. I have a list of songs. I haven't recorded anything for it yet. I have recently agreed to do songs for compilations, which is usually how it starts. How I get back into the, I have to record headspace because for the la first few years of the ongoing end of the world i was just living in my bedroom so it was real easy to be like i have a song i got nothing to do today let's record and just like constantly put stuff out i think in 2020 i put something out every month <laughs> whether it was an ep or a single or a record it was something like 60 songs by the end of it it was ridiculous it was way too much wow. it was an unsustainable, unsustainable. yeah <laughs> um but I put out at least a record every year since then. Or like in the case of 2021, I put out three EPs, which is more than a record at that point. Um, I mean, you put out two records, well, an, a record and two EPs within the last three months. That's a lot of music. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. a lot of music. <laughs> just in the yeah. last three months. <laughs> well, that record was was done for like most of the year. It just took forever to get all the stuff together for it. Um, and it's the first record I put out with a label. So that was also fun. But um, it's the only How I Became Visible release that has a physical, an actual release, which I have a I'm looking at. It's a cassette tape right there. Um, just went back on sale, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Plug it. <laughs> you can find it at a few good Um is hope I'm trying to sell out of the second run because we sold out of the first run before it ever was released. Oh wow! So I want to I want to sell out of the second run so that I can maybe bother them into letting me do a vinyl. Um, <laughs> be like, hey, 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 let me do a vinyl record. But that said, I am starting to work on the next album. I have a bunch of it written. The I have a tentative title and a theme for it, which I'm real excited about excited being in big heavy quote marks because it's about that <laughs> it's about apocalypses <laughs> uh the idea of an apocalypse being both personal and outside of yourself i guess you can have a personal apocalypse that doesn't affect anyone else <laughs> but uh the tentative title is uh everything that is not saved will be lost <laughs> Which is uh, a video yep. game. <laughs> <laughs> Classic video game <laughs> lingo. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of shaping up to be maybe more uh, of a kind with better is the next best thing than um, or maybe wave returns to the ocean. I haven't decided what direction I want the music to go and whether I want it to be more acoustic or more like better than I mean, uh, 
Wave Returns to the Ocean is the only straight up just a pop punk record I've ever done. Everything else has had like weird little diversions in the middle of it where I got to bug up my ass. No, I want to do an ambient thing. <laughs> or um, whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't There's know no where rules. I'm going to go. Exactly. exactly. No rules. You can do whatever you want. It's Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. Now, is that a thing? <laughs> what? Is that like a slogan of theirs? Yeah, that's Outback Steakhouse. Slogan. Wow. The thing is, I almost said <laughs> Outback Monster Factory because that is a stupid reference to a thing I love. but And that is from a stupid internet video. But I, I stepped back at the last second, and now I'm saying it again. So I get the pleasure of doing both yeah. things. Now you've, now you've done I, both. <laughs> I am truly a trans queer. I why can't be both. <laughs> wow. Who knew that about Outback Steakhouse? No rules, just right. <laughs> That was a little too, that's a little too, like, good. I don't. What? What, the accent? (laughs) That sounds like an Outback commercial. Oh, I mean, I just like doing Australian accents. But anyways. um, (laughs) So, I mean, I think, I think my question about what you're writing and going forward with is sort of, is this something that you think you're going to start, like, doing the process of and figure out the sound as you go or is it something that's going to be kind of a decision made and then trying to run with that it kind of is a case-by-case basis the thing the important thing for me is figuring out the theme and like the idea of the record so like with uh so like planetary, the theme was like, you know, the planets with unidentified. The idea was exploring the idea of what identity is and wave returns to the ocean. It is literally coming out. Um, and better than next best thing is the idea of what better means. So this one, having the idea of it's about apocalypses. <laughs> I have the idea. I can just, I have a bunch of songs. The sound will be what it is, I guess. Um, which again, there's no rules. You can do whatever you want. So not being constricted in that way. I have, I have a structure and I can just play in the space. Very true. Is there anything in particular that you're like listening to right now that is inspiring you like sonically? Oh, Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties released a new song last week and I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) Um, I love, I love Aaron West. I, I mean, the Wonder Years are one of my favorite bands, and the idea of uh, Soupy from that band, who's one of my favorite songwriters, having this other project where it's also completely devastating musically and lyrically, and also at the same time an interesting narrative project, is it has been my thing since he started it. I went to, I don't know if you're familiar with them at all, but he did, uh, for his second record, they did like a live show where they did the whole record in Asbury. And it was like the first time he had the full band. I was at that show and I lost my shit. <laughs> and then they recorded it and I have the live album that I was at. <laughs> I'm so excited. You're in me there. And my friend You're Jess, in it. <laughs> yeah, I, me and my friend Jess got tickets for like their, their next big show, which is going to be their record release show for the new record. <laughs> I'm real excited about it. I love that band so much. And the new song... Um, Soupy always has this way of having like a line or two in a song that just absolutely murders me. On the last Wonder Years record, there's a song called Low Tide, which is like, I think I described it to, to, to someone as like, I have never heard or seen or been so seen by the lyrics of a song I didn't write. <laughs> and there's that relatability factor that's yeah. in their music, that's in your music that, you know, I what brings wrote- us together. I used to do music review um, for my friend's website way back in the day. And I think I, I did a review for Wonder Years Greatest Generation when it came out. And 10 out of 10, five stars, A plus, Duke, A number one, Duke of New York. Uh, it was, I said they have a universal specificity in that this, the way Soupy writes and a lot of the bands I, I like have this very, they have very specific references in their songs to like real world places or things they've experienced, especially with the wonder years. Spanish love songs is another one like that too. And Manchester orchestra to a certain extent, though there's get a little bit more universally than specific, 
But like the idea of you're singing about something so specific to you and your lived experience, but couching it in such a way that it feels like something other people can get. And that's what I'm kind of always reaching towards, I think. Like trying to, this idea that, yes, this thing happened to me, but let me put it in a way that everyone understands and says, oh, I had a thing that happened like that or stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I feel like once that nail is hit on the head, it is it is there and it is so prominent in um in those songs and in that music that like again, universal specificity I think is such a good term for it too. Um yeah, that's it makes a lot of sense and I mean again, I think there's a lot of relatable stuff in your music. We're from Philly, and I know you don't have a Hell whole yeah. lot of reference to to places here, um, but uh, it, it's definitely something that I think, like, even from a musical standpoint, you kind of, there is evocation in, in listening to the music. Um, I mean, I did explicitly name drop Rittenhouse. In one of the I was, there's the one that is literally the Philly, like uh, a, a, brief a brief Philly, Philly interlude. I mean, yeah, the closest I've ever gotten to like naming a place was in a, actually a B side from that record, which was on the Christmas EP I put out called "I Don't Want I Don't Want to Die in Louisiana," <laughs> which was written while I was on tour with another band, and we were in Louisiana, and I'm like. I'm going to die here. <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> I've been up for three days. I don't like this place. I just want to go home. That's super exciting that we're getting to hear a new album, maybe by the end of the year, if your track record keeps up. But I mean, hey, <laughs> no pressure, I right? Still have to record, no rules. I still have to record uh, an Aaron West cover, a Beck cover, and a Disney cover oh, for compilations. Oh so those have to get done yeah. first. Got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of... Yeah, God knows who else I'm going to sign up between now and like a week from now. I'm like, hey, you want to do a comp? Sure, or whatever, man. <laughs> it's only in the last few minutes that you're doing all of them that you're like, maybe this was a little hey, overwhelming maybe this and is I should have done this many. <laughs> you say that and yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're familiar. We get it. Um... No, again, super exciting. Looking forward to whatever that album ends up being uh, and anything else, all the covers that you have coming out as well. Um, Sydney, did you have any other questions for Emily Reed? So where can we find and follow you online and listen to all of your music? Okay. Um, you can find my music. on It's on Spotify and all the other terrible places that don't pay their artists enough uh, under How I Became Invisible. Or look for Danger Club. That's the band I sing and write lyrics for, but I don't write any of the music because it's a sweet gig. Um, I just have to show up and sing and go home. Uh, you can also find me at howibecameinvisible.com. That goes to my band camp. Um, I am on Instagram at m-reed, E-M-D-A-S-H-R-E-E-D. You can also put that into Twitter. I'm not using Twitter anymore because it's accessible and I might be deleting my account soon. Yeah. Um, Fair. I've been putting together a compilation. That's kind of the only reason I still even have my account open is because I want to have a place where everyone is on the same chat. And as soon as that's done, I'm going to deuces out of that place. Um, if you're on Blue Sky, you can find me there. I post really out-of-pocket shit, and it's kind of fun, except I'm now currently worried about if it ever goes public, people seeing my tits. Um <laughs> I love so that could happen. I, you're like, go follow me on Blue Sky. <laughs> Immediately, well, if you're on Blue Sky. <laughs> listen, if you're on Blue Sky, there's a there's a non-zero chance you've seen a lot of people's bodies because that is just it is the most out of pocket website I've ever been on, and I love it so much. I think someone called it the the trans dating app. Um, hundred percent true, by the way. Um, yeah, a uh, fewgoodrecords.bandcamp.com. That's the label I put out my last record through. They have physical copies of Better Than Next Best Thing, the current tape run. Buy it. I want to sell it out and get a vinyl record out of it once I start annoying people. Um, I don't know. 
listen to my friend's band, St. Judas. I love him. St. Judas is the homie. I love, yeah, friend of the I podcast. I love St. Judas so much. I love, I like, I will, I will never leave him alone. I'm like, oh God, thank you for letting me be on your song. Um, <laughs> Like when he's like, hey, do you want to sing on this? Like, yes, yes, I do. And it ended up being Big Rip, which is my favorite song on the fucking EP. <laughs> Solid stuff. Um, we love sing yeah, to this. Listen to my homies. Uh, listen to the Wonder Years. I don't think you need me to <laughs> plug that shit. <laughs> this real underground band. You've never, you might have Ooh. never heard of them before. <laughs> I, have a, I have a plug. It's for a band I play bass in, but they're called Sinful Ukes. It's my boyfriend's band. He's putting his first first record out in like the next month. He just put a couple singles out, including one that has one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful songs I've ever heard on it. It's C Y N F U L U K E S. Sinful Ukes. Beautiful. Queer trans emo folk. Love to see it. Love to hear it. Uh, I play bass on it. I help record some guitars for it. It's uh, it's going to be it, it's really good. I'm so proud of him for doing it, and uh, I'm real excited to hear for everyone else to hear. I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. Wow. Um, but yeah, nice. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff. Cash me outside. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to be normal. Once again, um, <laughs> <laughs> Emily Reed. Thank you so much for being on with us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It has been great. Thank you for listening to Little Known Tracks. If you or a loved one want to be featured, send us an email at littleknowntrackspodcast at gmail.com. Also, feel free to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at LKTPod for more information about the podcast when episodes come out and occasionally giveaways and things of that nature. Thank you again for listening. See you next week. I'm not going to